Hi, this is Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where we follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. I am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, and while this is an official, I am a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. A little bit scholarly, a little bit inspirational, this podcast will attempt to help us become better disciples of Christ. Join me, Scriptorians. Welcome back. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are headed into Alma 32 and the word as a seed. So this is a chapter that I think we're all really familiar with. And I think it's a story that's super engaging. It's an analogy, a very extended analogy that we understand. So I think this is going to be a chapter that we all jump into, we embrace, and we say, Lori, this is one of my favorite chapters. I just resonates with me. And I think that's true. So I want to take a look at this with that in mind and see what else can we see in this. There are some great other podcasts and YouTube channels that go over this stuff. So I encourage you to look at those as well, or to even write down some of your own thoughts. What do you think this chapter is about? What are you getting out of it? So let's start with this. Let's take our step back again and talk about what's going on and why this is in the Book of Mormon. Now, as we recall, this Book of Mormon is truly a roadmap for our day. And so Mormon is the editor and Alma in his book are going to be telling us various stories that really are saying this is exactly what's going to happen uh, to the Latter-day Saints as well. So if it's an outline for our day, uh, let's go back and see what are the pieces of that. The first was, let's just go back a little bit, right? Mosiah. In Mosiah, you see the establishment of the church. So we see uh, the story of Alma the Elder and where he uh, institutes the covenant of baptism for this dispensation. And then he establishes a church, a place where they're separating themselves by their beliefs, not just their heritage or their genealogy, but what they believe about Christ. And then they align themselves together in a community. So Mosiah is this establishment of the church. We definitely see that in our day. We see 1820, 1830, the establishment of a church and the reinstitution of the covenant of baptism in our dispensation. It's not just where we grew up or our ethnic group um, like Lamanites or Nephites, but it's now something we choose. And so we become members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So just like Mosiah, we're going to see that happening today. Next, we see a lot of different things happening in the book of Alma, but just a couple of ideas. You're going to see some of the themes of first this opposition to the church. So you're going to see the uh, the Nehors come in, Sherem, Korhor, even Zeezrom before his conversion. So you're going to see these antichrists and kind of what their arguments are, um, how the church is going to see opposition, sometimes internally and sometimes just from uh, the world. And so um, you're going to see this reaction to that be, in some cases, missionary work. So you're going to see the great missionary work of Alma and Amulek. You're going to see the conversion of, even in some ways, Amulek, conversion of Zeezrom. You're going, we're going to remember, we're going to see, again, this, this contrast, this compare and contrast of what had happened. Establish the church, then there's this opposition to the church. And then outside of just individuals, we're going to see whole cities, city of Ammonihah the city of the Ishmaelites, the city of Jershon, when a whole community is converted to Christ. These cities begin to accept Jesus as the Christ, one of the core, the, the core idea of Christianity, obviously, that they're going to accept Jesus as the Christ, they're going to repent, and then they begin to walk the path of the disciple. Then they, again, they contrast to the others, right? There's pride, they oppress others, they live in their sins. 
they deny the Christ. So you're just going to see that the church is established in, in Messiah and then Alma, the themes in opposition to the church, both in this, uh, the corporate sense, big, big sense, the cities and the entire communities, and then in the individuals, what happens on the individual basis. So you're, you know the answer, but here's the question. Why is Alma putting this in there? Why? What are we supposed to learn? Why is Mormon putting this in there? Is this anything like it is for us today? And you're going to say, yeah, of course. It's exactly a roadmap for us. It's exactly our time. It's, it's the exact same environment we find ourselves in. So if we're finding ourselves in this environment, what are the keys? What are we supposed to do with it? How do I compare and contrast? Am I Korahor? Or am I the, um, the people of Ishmael? Am I uh, Mosiah? What, how am I seeing myself? And that's what we're going to find out in Alma 32. It's going to give us another key. We're going to uh, see that very clearly in this next chapter. But one other thought before we jump in. Uh, we, I didn't have a chance to go through all this, but the uh, arguments of the Antichrist that we've seen, uh, Sherem, Nehor, Korahor, again, Zezrem, and originally, that there's no Christ. If you have not seen the YouTube channel Unshaken by Brother Halverson, brilliant analysis of these tactics of the Antichrists. So go stop with this. Go see Brother Halverson's Unshaken YouTube channel. He's uh, He does a whole series on this uh, in Come Follow Me. It's brilliant and just really, really insightful stuff. It's It's what he did his doctoral degree in. So it's fantastic, and I just, I watched it a number of times, and man, amazing. So great insights. Go see that. Stop what you're doing. Go see that. All right. If you're still with us, though, let's jump back and find out what we learn in Alma 31 and 32. Zoom in on the story again. So that was the big picture. Let's go to little picture. So the Zoramites, we've we've learned about them. They had believed um, and says they, they, know, they had known the word of God. Alma 31.8 tells us that. They, there was this apostasy, right, in, in the community there. And, but what was so interesting about the people of the Zoramites is that they kept worshiping. So while they had left the belief of Christ, they still were worshiping. So it's really odd. You know, you always think, oh, they're going to apostatize. apostatize. They're going to just leave the church, and they're just going to leave worship altogether. But they don't. Remember what they do? They still have weekly prayers. They're still following a weekly cadence of the Sabbath worship and doing that. But in this case, they are getting up on the Ramiumptum and they, you know, pray, thanks for a worldly posterity. Um, I, I've always loved the idea of the Ramiumptum. It's a phrase that I use all the time, even with uh, friends, just like uh, when I get kind of complaining about people or getting a bad habit, you'll say, like, I guess I'm up on my Ramiumptum. You know, aren't I glad I'm not like them? But that's what had happened to the Zormites is they had apostatized but they kept worshiping and again the key was they said there's no christ right so they're saying uh, we we're in a world of prosperity in a world of apostasy so those are keys are we living in a world of prosperity and are we living in a world of apostasy and then we ask ourselves if we do live in such a world how do we keep our faith how do we keep our faith and there is a key and this is it they remain humble the key is going to be true humility. There are a couple kinds of humility, but we're going to see that there is going to be a true humility in chapter 32 that is going to allow uh, these people to to change back and turn back to Christ. 
When we have a loss of humility, we're going to hear in Alma 31, 12 through 8, we're going to see a couple of things that happen, when keys to show that we've lost this humility. Let's go there real quick and read Alma 31, 12 through 18 and see uh, what was happening there. Okay. So as you listen to this, this is what happens when you lose true humility. 12 through 18, Alma 31. And now... When they had come into the land, behold, to their astonishment, they found that the Zoramites had built synagogues and that they did gather themselves together on one day of the week, which they the day that did call the day of the Lord. And they did worship after a manner which Alma and his brethren had never beheld. For they had built up in the center of the synagogue a place for standing, which was high above the head and the top thereof would only admit one person. Therefore, whoever desired to worship must go forth and stand upon the top thereof and stretch forth his hands towards heaven and cry with a loud voice, saying, Holy, holy God, we believe that thou art God, and we believe that thou art holy, and thou wast a spirit, and that thou art, art a spirit, and that thou wilt be a spirit forever. Holy God, we believe that thou hast separated us from our brethren, and we do not believe in the traditions of our brethren which was handed down to them by the childish, childishness of their fathers. But we believe that thou hast elected us to be holy, thy holy children. And also thou hast made it known to us that there shall be no Christ. But thou art the same yesterday, today, and forever. And thou hast elected us that we shall be saved, whilst all around us are elected to be cast down by their wrath down to hell. For the which holiness, O God, we thank thee. And we also thank thee that thou hast elected us, that we may not be led away after the foolish traditions of our brethren, which do bind them down to a belief of Christ, which doth lead their hearts to wander far from thee, our God. And again, we thank thee, O God, that, that, that we are chosen and a holy people. Amen. Okay. What are they saying here, right? It is fairly astonishing. One, I love that it's so literal uh, that they're above others, right? They climb up on a tower and stand up there and say, aren't we great? Glad we're not like them. And then not only that, but we're elected, right? Nothing we could do. We would never believe those foolish things. One of the things I think is interesting with their belief here is this idea that God was a spirit. You've never been anything else. It's denying the image of God, right? It's becoming... Uh, it's keeping him distant from us. This is not a personal God. This is not one that's involved with us. You're holy. You're far away. You're different. Uh, those things are true, but it's overemphasized. He's not our father. He's not, uh, this is not a relationship. He's not ultimately involved in our lives. You've just chosen us. Look at how blessed we are. And we don't have a Christ. We're not, we're not in a uh, atonement relationship. And you're just the spirit. You're just far away and transcendent. And we would never know. And I only just know how great I am. And so it's, you're the same forever and ever and ever. It's just, it's a very distant uh, idea of God. One we actually see today, a, a form of Christianity and other forms of, uh, of deism that we see today. Deism, I believe in God, but not very involved. And you're just awesome and transcendent and, and things like that. So you do see these exact same things today. But very lack of humility. And then one of the other things you're going to see is this, the practices, they don't have discernment, right? They can't tell good from evil. 
Additionally, you see these complex worship rituals. They're, it's all about the tradition. So they have a structure, right? They're climbing up on the structure. Um, you, I, this is a common theme throughout history. Um, one, this always comes up in my mind. I know, weird historical reference here. But permit me the aside for a section. You'll see it when uh, in medieval knights when they were really um, knights that actually fought and hit each other with swords and things. The armor was very utilized it was just it was rough it was just what worked and then when they stop actually fighting it becomes like bigger and ornate and pretty and so what used to be uh you just something useful and and helpful to use as a knight became something that was just ornate and whatever and that's what we see here instead of a tradition of prayer that teaches us and draws us closer to God. It's something that's got this complex ritual and a stand and it's a written prayer and it's all ornamented. Now, rituals are great and there's some rituals that have ornament and I want you to think that's a specific thing, but you do see a couple keys there. So they have lost discernment. They have lost the gift of faith. We just, we know we're chosen. So, they're coming off this Korahor story, uh, who was probably, may have been a Zoramite even, right? But knowing he, who knowingly uses the number of techniques to lead people from Christ. Um, and so there's uh, this same technique going on where these people have listened to it. So Alma and Amulek, you know, you remember them. They, they end up teaching and they come along the Zoramites and they're just like, what? And they're teaching some regular people. And then all of a sudden these Zormites who've been kicked out of the synagogues show up um and they, so they're two different groups and immediately Alma turns and teaches them so what's what I love about that story is when they come up and said we've been kicked out of the synagogues because we're poor and we even helped build those churches and Alma's super psyched it's such an odd response because not because they're sad but because he realizes that there may be a chance poverty in itself isn't the answer it's that it could be a an opportunity that they have true humility, this gift of faith that they have lost as a people, this smaller group may be ready to have true humility, right? Something and they're ready. So there's a hope in their humility. Again, it isn't the outward acts. It was inward. It isn't that you're just poor. It's this may have a chance to change you inwardly, your inner nature. So he says in Alma 32 and then 10 and 11, when they, when these guys show up, after he's just like Alma and Alma look out teaching, they come and say this. He says, I see this about you, uh, humble Zormites. He says, I behold that you are lowly in heart. And if so, blessed are ye. Do you suppose that you cannot worship God, save in your own, your synagogues only? Do you suppose you must not worship God only once a week? Interesting, isn't it? You're like, I've had this terrible event in my life. Well, that might be great. You might be really blessed. This might be a sign of godly favor. You know, like, well, what? Because, and then he goes on, it's not about worshiping in the synagogues. It's not about just once a week. That's not what it's about, right? It's so much deeper. So he's going to try to reintroduce this idea of, of faith. So Alman's going to note that faith comes from a submission to the word. To, it's not about external acts, right? It's something internal. It's submission. You're turning inward. That's our culture. 
right? We have a culture of defining our achievements. I want a new grade, the promotion, uh, a new Instagram post. We become sucked into the illusion of our progress, right? And, st- and we, instead of focusing on work and works outward, we need to focus inward. That's our culture. We're def- instead of being decided by achievements, check the box, I did it, I'm the best one. We need to define ourselves inward. Have I changed? Have I become a disciple of Christ? Have I become truly Christian inside? Am I following? Am I becoming a saint? Faith, then, is a belief. It's an action. It's a choice. All right. So, why? What is he going to preach to try to get this inward change? Well, he's going to preach the word. Go back to Alma 31.5. An interesting thing here is why Alma's going to choose on this. He says, one of my favorite, favorite scriptures in the Book of Mormon. And now as the preaching of the word had a great tendency to lead the people to do that which was just. Yea, it had a more powerful effect upon the minds of the people than the sword or anything else which had happened unto them. Therefore, Alma thought it was expedient that they should try the virtue of the word of God. So it's this word, something about the word. It isn't the sword. In fact, he's almost going to do a compare and contrast. Here's how the sword did. Here's how the word does. Hey, Murphy. Murphy Murphy the dog says hi. So the preaching of the word had a greater tendency to lead the people to do what was just. So Alma thought, we're going to try this with him. And that's where he's going to say what to do. What do we do with this word? How do we do it? And this is where we say this word is going to be compared to a seed, right? It's not faith is a seed. The word is a seed. And it goes into this long analogy. How do I make that change? How do I get that humility and that inward change? It's the word that's going to change me. All right, Scriptorians, that's our lead in. Go back, read 31 and 32. And then next time, let's talk about this extended analogy. All right, everybody, keep on reading.